And I will say it's important to position or to come to a com- uh, work in a company or partner with people that have an eye for growth, genuine growth, not just financial growth, but growth of solutions. They are thinking of how to actually deploy solutions that will grow their business, that will grow even the life or improve the lives of the people. Africa's solutions must be real. I am Conrad Chua, and this is Changing Careers, a podcast about the changing nature of MBA careers and how MBAs can change their careers. The Africa Progress Panel reported that only one in five Africans have any form of account at a formal financial institution, with the poor, rural dwellers, and women facing the greatest disadvantage. Financial institutions have also been hampered by poor processes and technology. Interswitch is solving these problems. It is a company based in Nigeria, but operates across several countries in Africa. It is well-positioned at the beginning of the African payments revolution, and I had the pleasure of speaking with Oromei Aka of Interswitch at the recent Africa Business Conference held in Cambridge. First, I asked Oromei to talk about herself and what is Interswitch. Interswitch is one of the largest financial technology companies in Nigeria. Um, You could define us in many ways, but one simple way is to say we are a fintech company with a bias for payments. Um, you could also define us as an integrated digital payments companies company. Basically, in Switch, our vision is to empower Africans and individuals in Africa with re- real solutions that enables them to grow. Um, we believe in an Africa where payment is a seamless and integrated part of our lives. So we started off in Nigeria, but today we are operating in um, over four different hubs in Africa with a plan to go into more. So that's InterSwitch. I've played several roles in InterSwitch, but right now I'm currently responsible for what we call its core operations. Now, to be specific, the core operations of a payment network entail the daily routine and proactive tasks that need to um, happen or be carried out to ensure that things go the way they are supposed to go. So if you're talking of payments, you're talking of things around settlement, clearing, reports and things. So that is on one level. In addition, operations also handles things around um, customer requests, request fulfillment. So you have a pseudo call center embedded in operations as well. That's also under my purview. We are also responsible in operations for customer integration and implementation because when you understand that InterSwitch has several classes of customers, corporates as well as end users that integrate for several reasons to several products, operations responsible for the integration and implementation of those as well. So that's operations. Many people might not be very familiar about what is uh, the switching part that you talk about, the switching part about InterSwitch. Can you just talk briefly about what that, that means? Okay, so basically electronic switching is taking an electronic transaction request from one place and taking it to another. So in a very layman language, you take a card of bank A to an ATM of bank B. The switch ensures that the transaction can go to bank A for authorization, that bank B can release the cash and the ATM pays out the money. The switch ensures the next day bank A's funds um, are that um, transferred to bank B to repay bank B for that service. That is basically switching 
ABC of switching, if I can call it that. So um, what InterSwitch has basically, and that's what we started off as, InterSwitch actually built an online real-time payment processing switching network to interconnect the banks in Nigeria. Um, and today it has grown beyond that into other things, digital payments, and now we're talking of building ecosystems. But at the very core of InterSwitch is the payment online real-time payment processing infrastructure so before InterSwitch, is it the case that if you had um if you were a customer in bank a you could only go to the atm or to the bank a's branches to get money so um in sweet in 2002 and i'll tell you there were no more i mean maybe 10 atms in nigeria so atms almost didn't exist cards as in electronic cards for your account were non-existent it was very cash-based check base so of course the idea of going to one the other bank to transact didn't even come in because the channels were not available for that so in the last 15-16 years we have seen the emergence of electronic payments started with basic ATM infrastructure point of sale now e-commerce web payments and mobile are emerging fast as well so all that has happened the last 15-16 years so you were telling me a, a story about how in 2000, in the 2000s, your mother would punish you by go sending you to the bank. Can you tell me a bit more about what, what that meant? Okay, so basically it was when you go to the bank to withdraw cash, I mean, even the systems of the bank at the time um, were quite, um, I would say, archaic. So you go and you wait. So you just, I mean, there were several systems. You use a tally number, you drop it, you wait, and you could take you up to three, four hours to do a simple withdrawal of... I mean, 5,000 naira, which is what, like what, 10 pounds? So you could be in the bank for three, four, five hours. That is waste of time. And I mean, just they're very highly inefficient. So electronic payments, of course, has come to revolutionize all that. I don't have to go to my bank. I can do it across the street. Now I can do it on my mobile phone or my iPad or on my laptop. I mean, and that is value. So going back to how InterSwitch started, um what did it do that was so successful? Because it seems like to be where it is now, it had to get a whole ecosystem going of banks as partners working together. Because this is electronic payments that people were not used to, we had to build something people could trust. So it had to be real-time online. I enter my PIN for every transaction. That gave people comfort, and that also aided adoption. Transaction payment processing, basically bringing the banks together on one platform or infrastructure so there can be interoperability and transactions can happen across. So that was the first thing uh, InterSwitch did that was successful. Second thing was digitizing key sectors. So InterSwitch went into what we call technology integration. We went into the airline industry, into oil and gas, basically worked with them to help digitize their own operations for payments to make it more efficient. InterSwitch partnered with governments. Today, we service over 85% of all state governments in Nigeria. And what do we help them do? Collect tax and internally generated revenue. Prior to then, the system was very manual, so there were a lot of leakages and almost zero visibility. Today, every tax paid to the federal government in Nigeria is paid through the platform. Online, real-time, you can see who paid, what was paid, when was it paid, and that is value. You know. Um, finally, another thing InterSuite did was basically create, I would say, work with a, you know, have a win-win business model. So 
you have a case where we work with our partners, transaction revenue is shared among all players. So it is something that is indeed win-win. And something that worked in InterSwitch favor, will I call it the emergence of technology at that time. So about the time InterSwitch started was when the mobile phone technology and networks were being rolled out in Nigeria as well and in Africa. So we basically rolled on that wave and um, be, grew as well. So and now you're talking of the emergence of, um, I mean, smartphones are common. Smartphones, your, your tablets, people have their, their devices, they, want, they can do their own transactions. We basically rode on that wave. That, that reminds me of uh, an interview I did with Traveloka, where the chief product officer also talked about how they, uh, the, they really took off with mobile. And they also had to work with banks in Indonesia to set up uh, a payments infrastructure that would handle the high volume of e-commerce payments. So it's quite interesting to see that kind of sort of parallels. Um, most, I think you, you started off, um, or at least InterSwitch started off in um, switching the payments. But now right next to me, here, you've given me a bag that says Verve with lots of products, and I think there's a Verve uh, card, etc. There's a Quick Teller Corp. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of these other products that InterSwitch are doing, like Verve, Quick Teller? Yeah, so basically, um, again, what InterSwitch did is build an infrastructure that was a gateway to digital payments or digital products. So we, in addition, when, when we're done building the infrastructure, we started to layer on it or work with our partners to layer on it products that were needed in the market. So I'll talk about Verve. What is Verve? Verve is a domestic card scheme. That's what Verve is. Now, Verve today has issuers. So a domestic card, a payment card. Today, you, are, you open a bank account, you are given a card. Could be You're given a debit card or probably credit. You could even be given a prepaid card. But there is a brand on that card. The brand speaks about acceptance. This brand speak, speaks about trust. That is what Verve is today. So Verve is a domestic card scheme started in Nigeria, but today issued by banks in over five countries in Africa. And our vision is to be the way to pay in Africa for Africans. Now, Verve was very critical at the time in which it merged because the banks were very, um, very important for the banks was the ability to deploy products that will, for, with which they will be profitable. So things around paying Forex to foreign partners was actually a major pain for the banks at that time and Verve does solve that problem solves that problem because it is a domestic card scheme so that's basically what it is so Verve on its own InterSwitch just is the sponsor I'll say the owner of Verve but we work we issue Verve through our banks the same way you will get a card through your bank today so we sign up member banks we work with them to issue products to the customers could be a credit card I could have a credit Verve card a debit Verve card or even a prepaid Verve card Verve started off in Nigeria, as I said, today in other countries. And today, Verve has also been accepted based on our partnership with um, Discover and Diners Club. Verve is accepted in the US, in Dubai, here in the UK. And um, we're basically growing the acceptance of Verve. How did, you mentioned Verve is a, a domestic card. How does that solve uh, international f- or foreign exchange transactions? So I'll say we wanted to solve the problems that were critical at the time. 
In Africa, only 7% of Africans do forex transactions. People do domestic transactions on a daily basis. So we know that today, Verve may, well, I mean, when we started off, the focus was not foreign transactions. The focus was not cross-border. The focus was domestic. Let's solve our domestic problems. There, I mean, so many Africans, over 70%, will never cross their borders. But they are doing transactions on a daily basis. So we were thinking, what about them? What is relevant to them first? Now, we know that there are other um, people in the hierarchy of the economic um, triangle that we want to speak to. And that's why we went ahead. We've partnered with Discover for things like that. But I'm just saying that Africans' challenges are unique and must be approached in ways that are relevant to Africans. We hear a lot about how uh, mobile operators or tel telcos in Africa uh, have moved into the financial payments space a lot. Uh, is that an accurate picture? Are they really leapfrogging financial institutions? Okay, so I will say that indeed when you look at the dichotomy, the difference between the customer base of the telecoms and that of the financial services sector, it does paint that picture like they are leapfrogging and going ahead. Now, it is an accurate picture in some context and not so accurate in some context. The context within which it's accurate is the fact that indeed in some places in Africa, for example, East Africa with the M-Pesa story, there was that seeming leapfrog. But if you look at the context within which it happened, if you look at the tone or the mood of the regulator in the, at that time, that it, it will explain basically why that success story is so. So this was a telecom who was the dominant one at that time and able to achieve that huge success. If that was not the dominant telecom, I'm not I don't know if that success story will have been what we have today. Now I'm starting that's why I say it's not always so in other in other um con in some other context. So if you look at other economies in Africa, um for telecom te indeed mobile phone is ubiquitous and almost everybody has it. But for payment services to indeed be deployed and to actually solve problems and have that huge take on collaboration between the mobile phone operators and the financial services provider, plus the regulator, that triangle needs to be well thought through for it to grow and scale. So I think, yes, looking at it on a high level, it does look like everything or oh, mobile is leapfrogging. But when you really get into the details, you may find discrepancies as you go from economy to economy. What do you think are the uh, future developments for fintech in Africa? First of all, is breaking down barriers to borders. So I mentioned before that Africa is one big continent with potential of one billion plus people, and that's fantastic. But until we can, I mean, although it's one billion plus people, you have over 50-something central banks to contend with different moods, different regulations, and those are barriers for inter-country trade in Africa. Until we can get to a point where we are truly Pan-African, where payment is truly Pan-African, so where you can actually move funds from one African country to the other for the purpose of inter intra and inter-Africa trade, you know, that's, I mean, fintech needs to get to that point. We need to get, Africa needs to get to that point. That will really open up fintech 
or de and development in Africa. So that is hugely required. Something else that's hugely, hugely required in Africa for fintech to scale is um, I spoke about the needs of a human. So a human has the basic needs, the physiological needs. I need to eat. I need to I have a place to put, lay my head at night. I need to have basic access to food and I need to be financially empowered. Until those needs are met, he's not going to be thinking of, you know, take, downloading an app that will enable him to do a taxi share because that's not his need at that time. So fintech needs to speak to the real needs of Africans. How can we get more people into the formal financial sector, not just to get them in, but to get them in because you want to deliver value that they need. So people need micro loans to start a very small petty business. FinTech needs to be able to crack that and give people those kind of solutions that will draw them in and keep them in there because it is relevant to them at that time. FinTech needs to do that. Um, Another important development I see for fintech is to be able to grow the level of financial literacy, not just inclusion, but literacy with regulation. So we need to let people know, you know, there needs to be enough education and awareness out there of the potential of getting people financially empowered, the potential of it and the opportunities. We need to position with regulators, educate the regulators and provide that support regulation so that the regulation out there supports the ecosystem that will enable fintech to grow. Can you talk a bit more about the uh, financial literacy part? I mean, what, what does that, uh, to, to you, what does financial literacy mean maybe in the next three years uh, in Africa? Financial literacy is really understanding and knowing the opportunities that come to me as a result of my empowerment as an individual financially. So it is letting that lady down the road in Africa know it is important to crowdfund with others. When you do that, you have a bigger piece of the pie rather than keeping your funds to yourself because of trust issues or opportunity issues. It's about letting even our children from an early age know that, I mean, Africa, yes, the investment opportunities are not like that in the West, but with this, with this small um, opportunity you have, if you handle it this way, you can grow to be something bigger. So financial literacy is really about enlightenment in a relevant manner. And I keep saying the word relevant because Africa is unique and is different. Solutions that have worked in other places will not work if you do not tailor it to the realities on ground. There are MBAs who either come from Africa or are interested to work in Africa. What's your advice? What would your advice be to them if they were uh, thinking of going to the fintech industry in Africa? Okay, the first thing I will always say is... Um, you know, when you finish your MBA, there's so many opportunities that come your way. So the first advice I'll give any MBA, irrespective of Africa or not, is look inside and really think of what problem do I want to solve? And what am I really happy doing? Because that's what will sustain you in the long run. Now, Africa, it may not always, the opportunities may not always look as juicy as those in other places. So if you have decided you want to come to Africa, that's something you must really be sure you want to do. 
And I will say it's important to position or to come to a com uh, work in a company or partner with people that have an eye for growth, genuine growth, not just financial growth, but growth of solutions. They are thinking of how to actually deploy solutions that will grow their business, that will grow even the life or improve the lives of the people. Africa's solutions must be real. That is what provides sustainability. Anything that's not real, it will start, but it will fizzle out. So I will say if you're looking at coming into Africa for fintech, don't just come because of the buzzwords. Don't just come because it looks very snazzy. Is it real? Is it really solving a, physio a physiological need? Is it really moving people up the economic ladder? Or is it just addressing something that may be a fad for now because that will not scale? That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks goes out to Orame, who I recorded this conversation just before she went on stage to speak at the Africa Business Conference. If you have any comments about this episode or the show, you can tweet to at Conrad Chua 16. That's at Conrad Chua 16. If you like what you hear, remember to subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating to help others discover this show. This is Conrad Chua on Changing Careers.